Hello and welcome to Beauty Island, the beauty podcast that celebrates life and lipstick. I'm your host, beauty journalist Brittany Stewart, and each episode I sit down with a guest to ask them about the eight beauty products that have a special memory or meaning for them that they take to a desert island or beauty island that I am sending them off to. This doesn't necessarily mean practical products, and of course they'll have sunscreen so they don't burn while they're on the island, but rather the beauty products they've come across throughout their lives that carry significant stories, power or nostalgia for them, the ones that make a little bit of who they are. Along the way, we find out more about their life, career and the people and events that have shaped them into who they are today. Today, my guest is Kate Morris, founder of online beauty retailer Adore Beauty. At a time when we're obsessed with the idea of lady boss, a controversial term we do talk about in this episode, on paper, Kate seems like the ultimate one-in-a-million entrepreneur. And in a way, she is. At just 21 years old, not yet graduated from uni while she was working on the Clarence Beauty Counter in a department store, she realised that there was a better and more enjoyable way that customers were looking for to buy their beauty products. Online. Except it was 1999 and it just wasn't how things were done in Australia. Kate went for it and nearly 20 years later, Adore Beauty stocks hundreds of established and emerging beauty brands like L'Oreal, Dermalogica, Bobbi Brown and The Ordinary and turns over almost $30 million a year. But there's so much more to her story, like how she almost threw in the towel in the first year, the hard work that you don't see being shown on social media the industry recognition that took a decade, and Estee Lauder who said no to being stocked on the site for 14 years. I sat down with Kate in Adore Beauty's Melbourne offices, and the first thing I noticed was how at 6pm on a Monday we were the only two there. You'll find out the excellent reason why that is when we chat about work-life balance. We also talked about how the beauty industry reacted towards a 21-year-old from Tasmania trying to revolutionise the industry. Spoiler, not well. The $19 multi-purpose balm she takes absolutely everywhere with her, and why it's not ideas that are the most important thing to have, but rather the actual execution of them. She is generous, brilliant, and full of incredibly inspiring advice. I hope you enjoy. Kate, welcome to Beauty Island. I'm so excited to sit down in the Adore Beauty offices and chat with you. You grew up in Tasmania. I did. What was that like? Tasmania is a beautiful, beautiful place, you know, fantastic natural scenery and, and all of that sort of stuff. But yes, if you're a beauty junkie, it's not a shopping destination. So yes, it was mostly my high school years spent tearing pictures out of magazines of the products that I wanted and you know sending my dad to to Melbourne with them going hey I know you're going for work but can you go and pick up these products for me that'd be great. So you were a bit of a beauty junkie as you say where did that kind of first love of beauty come from? You know I can actually trace it back to my grade six social we had end of year leavers dinner like for, for grade sixes finishing up and going to high school and I begged my mum to let me wear makeup for the first time and so I was allowed to crimp my hair (laughs) with my stepsister's hair crimper and wear green eyeshadow and frosty pink lipstick and I was a million bucks I was I felt so great and for me that was that was where I fell in love with it all because I got to feel like a different and more fabulous person for that for that night. And ever since then, I just loved it. And the first product on your list, I think, stems from those kind of early days. The first product that you ever bought yourself or you remember owning, which yes. is the Revlon Super Lustrous Lipstick in Soft Suede. Can you tell me yes. a bit about that? Yes, that was my frosty pink lipstick. Yes, I felt really very grown up about that one. That was my first kind of, you know, save up all my pocket money and, and go and buy my very own lipstick and Revlon was kind of well it's pretty aspirational for 12 year old <laughs> do you still own it now would you ever or is that one that's firmly the nostalgia and the memories are enough? It's, it's the nostalgia and the memories are enough for that one I think it's probably look you know this is 1989 we're talking about so it's good to look back at it fondly but we don't need to actually go back there <laughs> So you grew up in Tasmania and then did you come over to Melbourne for university? Yeah, that's right. I studied law for a whole week. My parents were thrilled. No, it was a a really funny thing. I'd worked very, very hard at school to try and get into law and got in. And at the first lecture, I knew, I knew that I didn't, 
I didn't want to study it for the next five years. I certainly didn't want to go and be a lawyer after that. So I was just looking at it and going, well, this has been a huge mistake. I don't, I don't want to do this. And, um, you know, went to a couple more lectures and that just cemented it all for me. And so, yes, phoned my parents and said, hey, I, I, I don't want to do law. I'm going to drop out and do arts for a while. And they said, oh, are you sure you don't want to finish first semester? And I said, no, I'm really quite sure. And look, no regrets, honestly. So I, I floated around in arts for a couple of years, did a couple of business subjects and really enjoyed them. So I kind of went across into an arts business combined degree, but I only finished the business part. Anyone who knows Adore Beauty and know, knows the story knows the infamous tale of around that time, still at university, working at the Clarence counter in yes. a department store. Yes, yes. It was 1999 and working there in your part-time job, was where your your literal what ended up being a million dollar idea came to you. Can yes. you tell me? Tell yes. me about well, that. Uh, look, at, as I was saying, you know, I always loved beauty, and to me, beauty was a way to feel like a more confident and fabulous version of yourself. You know, that was the way to feel to feel your very very best. And when I explained to people that you know that my part time job was working on the Clarence counter, people would kind of pull this face and explain to me how much they disliked having to go into department stores, and they found that whole experience of walking up to the counter and being sold to or being treated like a patient or a student and, you know, needing to kind of ask permission to buy the products that they wanted to buy. People would tell me how awful that was. And I thought, well, that's, to me, that was just really, really sad because I wanted people to love beauty as much as I did. I wanted people to feel that feeling of fabulousness rather than just kind of feeling intimidated and, and disappointed by the whole process. So I thought, well, if the shopping experience isn't matching how the products are supposed to make you feel, then really we need a kind of a different way of doing things, don't we? And and it was only around then that I became aware of online shopping. I mean, it was pretty early days for the internet. I thought, oh, this would be perfect. Like someone's got to do this for beauty. And I kind of expected that it would be somebody else and <laughs> I didn't really think that it would be me. And I heard you in a previous podcast interview, you have a great ethos about it. You ended up thinking, well, why not me? Why shouldn't I be the one to do it? That's pretty much it. It was actually, I think I, I kind of bored all of my friends and especially my boyfriend by talking about this idea all of the time. In the end, it was finally my, my boyfriend that said to me, he's like, look, are you going to do this or what? And that was literally the first time that I'd ever contemplated this idea of starting my own business. I had never, ever, ever thought that I would end up being an entrepreneur. But then I thought, well, I don't know. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm sure I could figure it out. And which is, you know, a good thing to think when when you're 21. And I thought, okay, well, what's What's the worst thing that could happen is that I might be 25 and have no job and no money, but I was still studying an arts degree at that point. So I thought that was probably a fairly likely outcome anyway. Um, So I thought, well, why not? And I think it's interesting that realisation that you had about the shopping experience in department stores, where what? 21 years later, right. I don't think much has changed it's in those department stores. It's the exact stores. same. Nothing's changed in department stores since department stores were invented. It's the exact same, which I think, you know, when you look at how well department stores are doing or not, as it were, it's like, well, if you, if you haven't bothered to in, innovate and try and keep up with what customers actually want and how they feel about things, then... You know, what do you expect? A sad reality, unfortunately. It's a sad reality. Look, I mean, I, I always loved working in department stores. I, it was the funnest job I had. But if you're not making your customers feel good, then it's, it's it's kind of to be expected. The second product on your list, I imagine, is one that you might have discovered around that time, which is the Clarins Beauty Flash Balm. Yes. I still love Clarins products. You know, I think it is honestly so underrated as a brand I I mean the products themselves are still absolutely fabulous and there's so many that I discovered on the counter that I still love and I could have put down half a dozen different Clarence products for that one but yes it was the beauty flash balm which is kind of one of those ones that's always been around in you know it gets mentioned in magazines all the time as one of these cult things and to be honest when I was first working on the counters when I was 19 I didn't really get it like I used it and I was like oh well it's you know it's okay I guess but I didn't really notice the difference and it wasn't until I kind of came back to it when I was I don't know maybe 30 and you know your skin sort of started to lose just a little bit of its elasticity or started to get just a little bit you know you've kind of lost you don't look like an 18 year old anymore and I put it on and that was when I really first got it was like oh right this is what everybody was talking about being 
And so really, it was funny because it's, it's, for me, it's a product that, yes, I discovered in my, you know, sort of late teens or early twenties, but I didn't really get it until I came back to it again. And now it's honestly, I, I would not be without it. Got one in my travel bag. I got one in my bathroom. I got one in my makeup bag. Like it's an absolute must have. So you went from having this idea Yes. Obviously, it's one thing to have the idea. It's sure. another thing ideas to make it happen. Yes, ideas are nothing. Execution is everything. You took the leap. I think it was so you started Adore Beauty, which was then Australia's first beauty e-commerce site out yes. of the garage. Yes. In where you were living in Melbourne. You were 21. You hadn't finished uni. You must have been fearless. I don't think fearless is the word that I would use. I think fearless is a word that makes people think that they shouldn't be frightened. I was scared out of my mind and still am a lot of the time. I mean, I I feel like if you're pushing yourself at all out of your comfort zone, then fear is kind of a pretty normal response to that. So I think about things more in the sense of not fearlessness, but courage, because courage is when you're terrified, but you you're not going to let that hold you back and stop you from doing what you feel is the right thing or from what you feel you really need to do. You know, that burning passion that is, you know, you just, you have to see it through, even though it is nausea inducingly terrifying. <laughs> That's pretty much how I was. I was just scared all the time, but I thought, well, you know, again, what's the worst thing that could happen? Well, nobody dies. So I'm, I'm sure I'll be okay. And what were those early days or that, that first, what was that first year like building it up? Really depressing, to be honest. <laughs> it come from, you know, working in a really fun environment, you know, on the counters with some people around me all the time and going to just being me by myself in my garage, getting not very many orders and getting a lot of knockbacks from brands. I mean, really the beauty industry was not ready at all to be disrupted in any way and certainly not by a 21 year old from Tasmania with no business experience so yeah look it was a it was a bit of a slog to be honest for the first couple of years and I'd say yes probably about a year in I did actually get quite depressed and have to go back home to Tasmania for a bit and I thought you know I can't do this I'll just have to chuck it in and yes my parents sort of said to me well you know come on you started now you know I re- what what are some things that you could do to try and <laughs> you know make your days a little bit better well you know get out of your pajamas every morning and put some makeup on like you're going to work and try and try and make a go of it and I'm I'm really glad for that that I kind of pushed through that that really difficult bit because look it, it wasn't a lot of fun and I see look I still see these days a lot of a lot of female business owners who start out and everything's kind of on Instagram and everything looks glossy and shiny and everyone's having these perfect lives and and they worry that they're doing something wrong that they're not doing very well in their first year I'm like honey nobody's doing very well it's awful and people need to share more that it is really hard the first few years it's really hard doing anything new particularly if you're trying to do something that nobody's done before I think that's so true I mean particularly we are seeing and hearing from so many more women in business now and female entrepreneurs which is amazing but that does kind of push that idea like you said when you are just getting the glossy side of things of this overnight success which as we as we know doesn't doesn't exist at all it would probably count on one hand the people who have actually managed to get lucky enough to be successful quickly but for most people it's just okay well there's there's going to be a bit of a slog involved and that's normal that's okay and it's right for it to be a bit hard and you just have to do enough things to kind of be kind to yourself and look after yourself in those first couple of years to get through it and kind of on from that you were literally starting from scratch I think was yeah. it was your your boyfriend's family that kind of invested or lent you the money right. to kickstart it yes yes my boyfriend's parents loaned us $12,000 to get started and that was enough to build the website and buy some product and not really anything left over <laughs> so very much from scratch and I mean you were teaching yourself to kind of code and trying yeah. to get someone to build the website again an e-commerce website which wasn't really happening in Australia wasn't really a thing no no in 1999 it was not a thing um, and there weren't many companies that could actually do it for you so it was mostly just me you know, phoning everybody in the yellow pages, which for anybody that doesn't know the yellow pages was like Google, but on paper and not as good. And um, yeah, just going through and phoning everybody saying, look, could you, could you build me a website that has a shopping cart on it? And the company that I ended up with, I don't think they'd ever actually built one before, but they told me that they could. And so we kind of figured it out together. Um, But yes, I did have to learn a little bit of code just 
mainly to be able to make changes to the website because I didn't have any money left after I'd had it built. I'm not a good coder. I'm not allowed anywhere near our site's code anymore. But it, there's things that you have to learn out of necessity. I mean, I, I there's no job in this company that I've not done at some point or another. So. <laughs> Before we talk more about Adore Beauty and your journey... Obviously, it's Beauty Island, so we do want to hear more about your chosen products Ooh, as yes, well. Products, yes. So the third product on your list is the one that gives you a confidence boost or your signature look. It's the Orbe Dry Texturizing Sprays, again, is another one of those products that if I ever run out of it, I get very stressed. But it's fabulous. It's kind of like a cross between a dry shampoo and like a volumizing hairspray. So... It's brilliant whenever your hair's... Like, I, I like a lot of volume in my hair. She says wearing her hair in a ponytail today because she hasn't washed it. But <laughs> for me, it's that's the product that I can always spray in my hair and it just gives you enough of a zhuzh that, that you're like, okay, you know, I've got good hair today. Meghan Markle favourite too, apparently. The ultimate endorsement. Well, you know, if it's good enough for Megan. Now, as we mentioned, Adore Beauty started off with two smaller companies. Now, I don't, you've got hundreds of brands, probably hundreds and thousands of, of customers. But what I love about the Adore Beauty experience is not only the incredible range of products that you have, but just how, I think this stems back from the beginning, how thoughtful everything is. You know, you get your products that you order beautifully wrapped, then there's samples and a Tim Tam and a chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Was that always, was that kind of whole experience always really important for you to give? Well, very much. And in fact, it was essential because I didn't have any money left over for marketing once I had the website built and bought some product. So I thought, oh, you know, what, what can I do to try and help build up a customer base? And I thought, well, probably my best bet is if I make everybody so excited when they receive their parcel that maybe they'll tell a friend. And of course, this is pre-social media day. So I was literally relying on them to go and tell a friend, you know, to show the person next to them at work or something like that. And so, so yes, in the very early days, I was wrapping each product in, I remember it was blue tissue paper, like a cobalt blue and wrapping like a tiny little piece of raffia around (laughs) it, which seems really dorky now. But anyway, and putting a little chocolate in the parcel. And a lot of my customers actually in the early days were from the States because they were kind of early adopters of online shopping. And we were also too selling a lot of kind of really indie Australian brands that they couldn't get hold of. And so I used to put in um, either Caramello Koalas or Furry Friends. Do you remember Furry Friends? Those little sort of square ones that have Australian animals on. And then over time, we started to find that during summer, those were no good because they would go too melty. And so we thought, okay, well, what chocolate could we do that you know, is still Australian and still iconic, but maybe not quite so melty. And so that's when we kind of landed on the individually wrapped Tim Tam. Because even if it goes a bit melty, like it still tastes really good. Yeah. So. <laughs> you don't pass up a Tim Tam no matter what state it's no, in. No, you don't. No, you don't. And um, yes, now it's become a bit of a bit of a trademark, really. What's been a real pinch me moment for you? I read you'd said that Estee Lauder said no to being stocked in Adore Beauty for something like 14 years. It was 14 years, yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> Oh, look, it's funny. I mean, to be honest, I find I those sorts of things when they actually happen, I'm terrible because I move on from them so quickly because in my mind it's like, well, we've already got Estee Lauder. We just need for, we just need for them to say yes and then we can do it. And so by the time it actually happens, I'm like, great, excellent, look that away, move on to the next thing, which is not useful for um, for my team. You know, we need to get better at celebrating the wins. But look, oh, pinch me moments. We just had our staff Christmas party last week and and there were 120 people in the room and to me that's every year we have our Christmas party there's kind of seems to be twice as many people as there were last year and I find that quite mind-blowing um and really and this is you know probably going to sound a bit naff but such a tremendous privilege honestly like I don't have to work with anybody I don't like (laughs) we get to choose all of them and that's that's really quite wonderful that we we get to have all of these fabulous people in a room together sharing the experience with us. You individually and Adore Beauty as a company have won a whole host of awards. Mm. I'm going to ta- read just a few of them now. No, don't. Go on. So this year you were part of Deloitte's Tech Fast 50 Australia for I think the fourth year in a row. I think it's actually the fifth the year. The fifth year in a row. row. Apologies. You got the Innovation Award at Telstra Business Women's Award in 2014. You were one of Vogue's Women of the Moment in 2015, Telstra Young Businesswoman of the Year 2010, and in 2015, Adore Beauty also received investment from Woolworths, which you bought back. 
yes. a few years later. Yes. You were also the top rated for customer satisfaction. We did, yes. We got the top rated, yes, that was in February of this year, the top rated online store for Australia, full stop, like in any category. That was really, incredible. That was the most exciting one, to be honest. That's like, okay, we're actually doing something right. That's great. What's it like to receive that recognition from the industry? It's, I remember the, well, I think probably the first thing we won was, it was the Telstra Business Women's Awards back in 2010. And that was extraordinarily overwhelming for me because if you put it in the context of having spent 10 years slogging away with sort of zero recognition and and you do get used to doing without it as an entrepreneur, you kind of have to because nobody comes and gives you a performance review. You know, no one comes and pats you on the head and says, good job. You know, you get to sort out everybody else's problems all of the time and you, you kind of have to make do with not much by yourself. And so, yes, to for that to kind of be the first award that we won and for it to be such an important one. I mean, I never filled out the application form but never in a million years thought that we'd actually win it. That was really quite overwhelming. Um, I think there's probably the speech or something still on YouTube, but I kind of lose it halfway through because <laughs> because I just I honestly did not expect it for a minute and um, to have that all come at once. Yeah, wow, that was, that was pretty full on. The next product on your list is another one. You seem to have a few products stashed everywhere, but this is one that you particularly always have stashed I everywhere. I particularly have like literally everywhere, <laughs> yes. Which is the Lanolips 101 ointment. Yes. What do you love so much about this? Oh, you use it for everything. Use it for everything. I mean, I've been a lip balm junkie since high school when the lip balm to have was the Body Shop. <laughs> Do you remember that? They always smelt so good. They did, didn't they? What was it? Morello Cherry lip balm junkie since forever. And for me, the Lana Lips is the absolute holy grail of lip balms. And so I have one stashed in the top kitchen drawer. I have one in every handbag it goes everywhere with me doesn't have a scent which I love it stays on properly you can use it kind of in a pinch for just about everything you know you can use it for your cuticles or you can even use it as like a really heavy duty moisturizer if you need to it's you know it's the Swiss army knife of beauty products I love it so you're also you're winning awards but you're also Adore Beauty is also giving back, not just with the joy of the beauty products that it sends out, but I believe last year you launched the Adore Beauty Women in Tech Scholarship and you're very outspoken about empowering women and addressing gender equality. I saw you at Vogue Codes earlier this year and thought oh, you were brilliant. Lovely. Is that something that's really important to you? Yeah, it is. And I think it's I think it's actually a responsibility that everybody has is that once you kind of get to a stage in your business where you're past the struggle for survival you know, you know that you're going to be able to make payroll next week and you're all good, is that, you know, you kind of, you do you do owe it to the community to give back where you can and to do something to try and move the needle on the issues that you think are important. Um, I think that's just what corporate citizens ought to be doing. Um, for me, the gender equality thing, that that's the thing that really gets me riled up. And so I, it's one thing to be outspoken and angry about things and to go off and them go off about them on Twitter, which I do regularly. Um, but words are just words. And so you've got to try and say, okay, right, how can I, in my position as a business owner, how can I try and move the needle just a little bit, you know, anything, anything. And so that's where we came up with, with the Women in Tech Scholarship, just to try and with the goal that if we could support at least one woman, you know, to to try and get into or stay with tech as a career because yes there's not a there's not a great pipeline of women even studying that course because it's so male dominated and then once they do you know if they do manage to get through it then you end up just facing a lot of this whole kind of really really broy kind of environments and I thought well look you know we could if we could show just one woman that hey there's actually there's actually really fun stuff you can do you know cutting edge tech things that you can do that are also really creative and fun and it's you know it's a nice female friendly environment and you get staff discount on candles and moisturizer and and that this is fun then we thought well then we should do that and so we had our first intake last year and just actually so blown away and excited by the caliber of the applications that we got that we thought well maybe we could extend this could we do some more so we've opened it up to three places this year and so then we'll see how that goes. And yeah, look, it's, I mean, to me, it's exciting to be able to do those sorts of things. I mean, we've done a lot of other things at, at Adore too, kind of to try and do our part to move the needle. We've put in a policy this year on three months of paid parental leave, and that's equal for both men and women, because I actually think one of the most important things 
about helping women stay with their careers is also enabling men to do half the parenting. So we've done that. We've doubled the amount of domestic violence leave, you know, as compared to what's mandated by the government and made that fully paid to flexible work is really important to us and we offer that to everybody here and in fact everybody in my leadership team has young children and is able to make a senior position work and still have a young family and still get to see their kids because I don't think it should be one or the other I think you know we need to look I don't, I don't like the whole idea of work-life balance I mean to me it's much more about work-life integration and how can we recognise the fact that, you know, people have families and that that's perfectly okay and that they should be allowed to do that and to and to be part of it and not, you know, say, oh, well, you know, I can have a career or I can have kids but not both or not both at the same time. I, I don't see any reason why you can't have both at the same time. I certainly seem to, you know, <laughs> I've managed it. I've got, you know, I've got two kids myself and they're pretty young and I still get to see them a lot. So we make sure that, yeah, that people have the flexibility they need in their lives. And if you've got a kid's sports day that you need to go to, well, that's perfectly fine. And, you know, and you should, if you want to finish at 4.30 every day so that you can get home in time to, you know, do the pick up from childcare and get dinner on, then I don't, you know, I don't mind where you get your work done. That's, that's fine by me. Such brilliant initiatives that you, you spoke of there. And I think that's so important. And I was going to ask because I feel like this whole thing of work-life balance, particularly as you get higher up in your career, just becomes another pressure, another thing to strive for. Yeah, exactly. And it becomes this thing that we end up, you know, making women feel really guilty about. I don't think men feel good about it either. I think men feel like they're missing out on their kids' lives and that but they don't really have much choice about it because they get penalised if they say, oh, I'd like to work part-time and everybody thinks that, well, they're not committed. I don't see why it needs to be that way. And if Adore Beauty taking a leadership position on those sorts of things and being the ones to say, well, there are different ways that you can do it and look at us. I mean, we've made the Deloitte Tech Fast 50 five years in a row. I mean, I don't feel like we've given up performance to be able to, you know, to be able to achieve flexible work-life integration for the people that work here I mean as you saw when you when you walked in I mean it's six o'clock and there's nobody here so <laughs> um, to think, me I, I did think that yeah right um you know I I consider that a great triumph that everybody is you know at home spending time with their families or with their friends I mean why why shouldn't we able, we be able to do that your partner James yes who you spoke about before was the boyfriend that we mentioned yes, at the time right. of starting. Yes, yes, yes. I think he also works in the business. How has it been sharing that and watching it grow together as a team? It's great. We like, And we love working together. People do often ask about that. They're like, oh, I could never work with my partner. We'd kill each other. And no, we've really, really enjoy it. And I feel lucky that we get to spend so much time together. I mean, we get along really well. And I feel like we've also too, sort of over the years, you know, you develop complementary skills so he's always been much more focused on sort of the internal workings of the business, whereas my focus has been more on building relationships outside of the business with, you know, with suppliers and partners and, you know, investors and, and that kind of thing. So I feel like it's, it, for us, it works really well. I guess it's not everybody's cup of tea, but I really enjoy it. The next product on your list is the perfume that carries a special memory for you. Can yes. you tell me what it is and, and what that special memory is? Yes, I actually... I. Look, I could have given you half a dozen different fragrances here because I'm a bit of a fragrance tourist. That's kind of the souvenir that I like to buy when I go, <laughs> if I travel, um, because to me, fragrance is all about memory. And so I feel like if you don't have sort of an emotional, nostalgic connection to a fragrance, then it's like, well, what's the point? You might as well throw it out. You know, it's, it's to me, it's not about smelling nice. It's about evoking a time and a place or a person. And so the, the perfume that I picked is one by Profumum Roma and it's called Acqua di Sale, which means salt water in Italian. And I bought it in Rome kind of by accident. I was there, this was before I had kids. Um, oh, when was it? 2007 maybe. And we were walking somewhere in Rome near the Vatican somewhere and um, came across this this beautiful fragrance boutique and I, and I said to James, oh, I have to go in there. I'll just be five minutes. And he said, yeah, no, you won't, <laughs> which was true. And so I, I went in there and there was this, you know, the, the men in Rome are all just magnificently dressed. So there's ma this magnificently dressed, gorgeous man in there ready to sell me fragrance. And, and he's like, you know, I'll pick out a beautiful fragrance for you. And he picked out this one. And, and it's not actually the sort of scent that I would, that I would usually buy. It's sort of, it's aquatic, but not in the kind of, you know, sort of 90s Isimiyaki sort of way. It's actually smells like the beach, like like salt water and sea plants 
and a little bit seaweedy, uh, but you know, but very, very, very briny and a bit wild. And I just, I absolutely loved it. And I couldn't really afford it, but I couldn't not have it. And um, and so I bought it then and there, and then wore it for the rest of the trip. And now still, I still have the bottle. And so now, whenever I smell it, it smells like Italy to me. But I've done the same thing. I've got uh, I've got a Le Labo one that I bought in New York, and so now that to me smells like New York. I love that with fragrance. That's that's my very favorite thing. I've got an Anique Gutal that I bought in Paris. I'm exactly the same. I feel feel like there was always that pressure to find your signature scent, the one. But I have right. so many different. I'm the same. Whenever I travel, I get one. I have so many different moods and feelings yes. that one just can't express it all. No, I 100% agree. Yes. yes and that's... how large is your fragrance collection? Because yeah. you do seem to travel with with obviously with work, and otherwise a fair bit. Oh, look, it's there's too many. There's too many. And of course, now that, you know, we've launched a new sort of boutique fragrance section at Adore as well. And then it's like, oh, well, I need that one. And I need that one. I'm a, I'm a shocking fragrance junkie. Um, I don't even know. I haven't counted. I think I'd be embarrassed. It's, t- it's not as bad as my shoe collection, but it'd be close. <laughs> now, as we touched on before there, we've seen a whole movement of this girl boss, lady boss thing of female entrepreneurs. Yeah. How do you feel about those kind of terms? I don't love the words because we don't say, you know, man Man boss boss. (laughs) or dadpreneur. (laughs) Oh, mumpreneur. That's the worst. Look, I I don't know. I mean, on the one hand, I think, look, it's really great that we're emphasizing and showing young girls that, hey, you, you can do this because look at all the other women who are doing it and it's great for everybody to have role models but those particular gendered terms I'm not super wild about I think look let's just show all the women who are doing great things and there's lots of them so let's just show them we don't need to call them something different you know it's kind of it's a little bit condescending I find a bit condescending I know that this is probably as an entrepreneur this is the hardest question to answer but what does an average day look like for you or or has it become a bit more routine like um, no, my job's actually quite varied now, which is good because I don't actually have a particular, like, or, an, a, you know, a particular day-to-day set of responsibilities or tasks that need to be completed every day, like the business runs without me there. And so my days will tend to be quite varied and they'll usually, they'll usually be meetings with people, a lot of them outside of the business doing interviews or recording podcasts or, um, you know, yesterday I filmed a video for, um, for Adore's social channels for a promo that we've got coming up in January. So it's, it's all kinds of stuff. It's pretty fun to be honest. There are, there are certainly worse jobs. We were briefly talking before about your, your life and work is obviously very busy, but kind of twisting that and not seeing it as a negative thing, Yes, which I really liked. Yes. Yes. Look, I want to have a big life. I don't want to stay small and stay within a comfort zone, not ever. And so for me, you know, often when people say, oh, you know, oh, I'm really busy. It's like, it's like, it's a bad thing. Well, for me, I get really bored if I'm not, you know, if I'm not doing interesting things. Like if I look at my diary for the week ahead and realize I've got, you know, nothing on or I'm not meeting anybody interesting, I think, oh gosh, you know, I've really dropped the ball this week. I mean, to me, life is at its best when it is full and interesting Sometimes there are times when that can you can overdo it and I'm getting better at saying no to things now because my, my general tendency is, you know, I, I kind of get FOMO. I don't want to miss out on anything. But if I say yes to everything, then yeah, that can, that can be a bit much. So um, yes, it's trying to find a sort of a good, a happy medium. The sixth product on your list, I imagine, comes in quite handy when you do have those rare moments of downtime, which is the product you use to treat yourself, which is the Sadashi Brightening Marine Mineral Mask. Yes. Tell me about this one. I discovered, so we've we've been working with Sadashi for years and um, and it's Megan Larson out of Perth and she just makes the most divine products, but I'd never really sort of experienced them in a way that they really need to be experienced. And it was a few years back, let me see, daughter was two-ish so yeah look I don't know five or so years ago and we were having a family holiday on Hamilton Island not staying at Qualia <laughs> because you know I couldn't afford that and but I managed to book a facial there I managed to talk my way in and and it was the most heavenly facial I ever had in my life and the, you know it's the smell of this mask when you put it on takes me back to being at Qualia it's just it's a I can pretend. I mean, sure, I'm in my bathroom and there's kids' toys everywhere and someone's left their towel on the floor. But in my mind, I'm, you know, my face is in qualia at least. So. <laughs> but I love it. It's the best mask. It's the, it's the next best thing if you can't 
go and have a facial. It's just kind of gives you a nice overall glow and it's sort of like deep cleansing but moisturising at the same time. I love it. Obviously, a lot has changed in the 18, 19 years since Adore Beauty launched. Right. So I'm yes. having to do the maths in my head. Yeah. That is 18. 18. Yeah. yeah. 18. Yeah. How have you navigated those changes and, and also the challenges of, of growing on such a scale as you have? Yeah, look, certainly a lot's changed. I mean, when we started out, there was no no smartphones, no Facebook, no broadband, like literally on dial-up having to crawl under my desk and like unplug the modem and plug the phone back in just in case somebody called. <laughs> Nobody called. It was quite sad. Anyway, so look, I think the main thing is that because I always had a very clear idea of what I wanted to give my customers and what I wanted to give my customers was this beauty experience that made them feel empowered and fabulous and confident and beautiful that kind of has given us a bit of a north star to guide through whatever technological changes that they've been and obviously they've been quite a lot and they keep happening and I expect they will keep happening I think yes because we always had that customer-centric purpose to what we were doing that meant that things continued to make sense and we didn't get too distracted by you know oh look something shiny you know it's it helps keep you on the right path in terms of the growth look I mean that's really only been a thing for the last I don't know five years or so how do you handle it I don't know you just handle it don't you I mean it's 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 a matter of fast growth is about, you know, different things will break all of the time. And it's about identifying, okay, which are the things that are about to break and how can I, you know, change those or put in a better system in time before everything actually does. And sometimes that's challenging and sometimes you get it right and sometimes you don't, but you do your best. And, you know, and if you're very lucky like me, you manage to employ a bunch of people who find change and fast growth really exciting rather than hugely terrifying. I mean, most people really don't like change but yeah we're we're very lucky in that that energizes them and excites them and the idea that your role might be completely different in 12 months time cool you know what might it be that's really that's really exciting I guess you just put one foot in front of the other don't you as a beauty retailer I think it's really interesting when it comes to trends because obviously you're having to anticipate what the customer will want based on what beauty trends are around but you would also have such interesting insight into kind of the trends that are emerging from what your customers are buying. Yes, yes. Well, we're very lucky is that we do have quite a lot of data. And I guess we employ we employ also a lot of beauty obsess- obsessives that, you know, the same content that our customer is consuming out there on the web, you know, on YouTube or on social or on blogs or podcasts, as it were. And, you know, that's what my team naturally like to listen to. So I guess... It's not so much about anticipating, but more being able to respond quickly because, I mean, I think if anybody really could genuinely anticipate things before they started happening, then, you know, <laughs> then you you'd, know, be, in I, you'd, you'd be in Qualia right now. You would, you would. But yeah, I, I think our strength has been able to listen and, and stay really close to our customer and, and to try and understand what she's into, but then to respond very quickly. And we're lucky now that, you know, we've got enough, enough of a reputation in the industry that, you know, the sorts of exciting new brands that are being developed or that are coming to Australia will come and talk to us first. Because I think, yeah, what is so nice about Adore Beauty is the mix of the very established brands and then as you said kind of the indie brands that you started with like I saw you now stock sold by Hendrix which yes. is one of my favorites I love I her stuff. know how cute is the packaging I yeah. love it and the oils with the flower yeah beautiful. yeah 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 yeah. absolutely love it so it is it's so much fun honestly I mean yes there's all the there's all the great you know long-standing staple brands that everybody knows and loves but we also get to kind of be a bit of an incubator for for new and cool things we're getting to the final few products on your list so the product that you couldn't live without, which I'm also a firm believer in, mm-hmm. is the sh- silk pillowcase. Yes. And these, the silk pillowcases, I think is really interesting because it's kind of the thing that you think, oh, it's just like an added luxury. It's right. not going to do anything. Exactly. But it really does. It really does. And then once you've used one, you're like, oh no, <laughs> I'm such a princess now because I literally can't sleep on anything else. I went on a on a trip and it was only for a couple of days up to Sydney a couple of weeks ago and forgot to take the pillowcase with me and it was just a disaster and my hair was flat and my skin was dry and I thought, <laughs> it was terrible. I mean, I actually contemplated, you know, thinking, oh, okay, if I order from a door tonight, when would they ship it? 
would it get here in time? And then I worked out, okay, no, come on, don't be stupid. You know, you can handle 24 hours without a silk pillowcase. That's when you know you're getting too high maintenance, isn't it? But no, seriously, like once you've had it, you, you, can't, you can't go back. It's just not possible. So, and, and everybody in the office is, is the absolute same. We're all like, oh, yeah, silk pillowcases. Yeah, that'll be fun. And then we all tried it and now we're like, don't, you know, you'll have to prize it from our cold dead hands. No. <laughs> It's like even my partner who could not care less about beauty, I don't think he even like uses a moisturiser, even though right. I bought him plenty. Yeah. I'll see him if he gets into bed first, my silk pillowcase will suddenly be on his side. And I'm uh-huh. like, if you want one, get one. I'm yes. not sharing mine. No, absolutely not. No, no, no. I also didn't realise that you were the creator or founder of fi- Foundation yes. as well. So yes. for anyone who doesn't know, it's a, it's a website that allows you to pick your foundation or work out your foundation shade in one brand yes. by you telling them what you are in the one that you wear, which yes. is such a fantastic tool. Was that kind of a response to, I suppose, one of the things about shopping for beauty online is that you can't necessarily try things. Yes, before. exactly. Well, we were just getting so frustrated because particularly with foundation, I mean, it's such a big category, you know, it's one of the biggest makeup categories. And we were really restricted because we couldn't we couldn't sell anybody anything that they hadn't actually been into a store and tried before. And we thought, no, there's got to be a solution for this. We thought what there really ought to be is this global database of matching foundation shades and there wasn't one and so we thought well why don't we build it and luckily my brother who happens to be a web developer and usually he makes way more money building banking software but he decided to help me out in his spare time and um, help me build this foundation database that's that's crowdsourced so basically it takes all of the data that people go and enter in at foundation.com so people go and enter in all of the foundation shades that are a good match for their skin. Um, and we then use that to build up the database and create an algorithm that relates all of those shades together. So if you go to a foundation and put in, you know, the couple of shades that you wear, we'll go, okay, we've got a whole bunch of other people here who have similar skin tone to you. What other shades do they wear? And then match it up that way. And so we've been building that for, so it's about six years old now. That's uh, over 2.3 million data pairs in it. It's really funny. It it gets gets actually a huge amount of traffic every month. We've not ever spent one cent on marketing it, the actual foundation.com website. All of the traffic is driven through either people searching, you know, find me a you know, foundation match whatever. Um and we pretty much come up number 1 for any for any of those searches, but um social. So as soon as people find it, this is the best thing ever and they have to tell everybody they know particularly all the makeup junkies they're like well this is this is just the best thing ever somebody has actually gone and solved this problem and it's such a simple tool but it just solves the problem really comprehensively and so then it means that on a door we can actually have just the little find my shade button and you can use the tool while you're actually on the page to to get a recommendation for the shade that you should buy brilliant in terms of the beauty industry as it currently is say specifically in australia What's one thing that really excites you about where it is at the moment and one thing that frustrates you maybe? Just one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, the thing that excites me is, you know, the rise of the empowered consumer. There's, I think, a whole generation of young women coming through that are just saying, hey, you know what, this whole this whole department still think, yeah, we're not, we're not doing that. This whole thing where the products are, you know, are behind a counter and I have to go and ask somebody to help me with them and there's all these barriers put in place for me to be able to cherry pick the best products from each different brand. We're just not doing that. And we're going to use social media to share all the things that we really love. We're just going to do it differently. And we're going to create our own ways of sharing information and helping to enable people to get the best products. To me, that's immensely exciting um, to see that, that, that that's really taking off. And obviously, I mean, you know, it's going to be great for business, but... <laughs> um, it's just about but, it, isn't it? But well, it is, but, but I see, you know, this generation of young women really enjoying beauty in the way that I always wanted people to, you know, people really getting a kick out of it and not wearing it because they feel like they have to or because they feel like people won't think they're pretty if they don't, but just because it's fun. And because you can express yourself and because you can be whichever woman you feel like being that day um, just by using some different products or wearing a different colour lipstick or, you know, do you want to be Kim Kardashian and do like a, you know, a 14 product contouring thing 
or do you just want to have you know a slicker mascara and some lip gloss today and that they have, they feel the freedom to do that i'd find immensely exciting in terms of the things that drive me crackers look i think the brands are finding that difficult um, there's still a lot of resistance particularly to reality and i mean that in the sense that all the you know all the ads that you see still have to be airbrushed I mean, nobody's actually showing a mascara ad where the only thing the person has on their eyelashes is mascara. You know, they have to have false lashes and it's photoshopped and it's just, uh, you know, <laughs> why? You know, if it, 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 shouldn't, it shouldn't be necessary and it should be a little bit more accessible and, you know, we should be able to sell product without needing to make people feel bad about themselves. That's what I think. But, I mean, to be honest, you know, for Adore Beauty, I guess that's our opportunity to be a bit different and and we find that honestly the things that our customers resonate the most with is seeing how a product looks on an actual person um, not some kind of weird photoshopped alien person they would like to just see the actual result and that they're quite happy to buy the product if they can see hey yes I, I can see that that hair treatment treatment does make a difference after three weeks and that you haven't you know, mucked with it by old, you know, her hair's not blow dried in the first one, but it's all glossy and shiny in the second one. It's like, no, it's the same person's hair. It just looks a bit better. And that's all anybody wants, really. We've reached the final product on your list, which is the product that you would trust with your life. And it is a moisturizer from Aspect, I think. Yes. Can you tell me a bit more about it? I love Aspect. I mean, I picked out one of their products, but honestly, I could pick out half a dozen of them. It's a fantastic Australian product range it's not flashy in terms of the packaging or or anything like that but it just it does what it says it does it just a little bit better than a lot of the other things I've tried and so for me that's that's pretty great like they've they've got a really great range of serums the particular moisturizer that I mentioned is the um, Phytostat 9 which just seems to do a fantastic job with my skin wherever it happens to be at on a particular day I find sometimes my skin can get quite dehydrated particularly if I'm traveling a lot and the Phytostat 9 seems to help with that without ever being kind of overly greasy it seems to work just as well for me summer and winter I can use it morning and night it's a no-brainer it's it's one of those things that I just I kind of always reach for but yeah any any one of half a dozen aspect products I could have put on that list I love it who has been someone who you feel has really shaped you either personally or professionally in your life oh I think my my I mean it's gonna sound daggy but you know my parents (laughs) um I think I think mainly because they deliberately didn't push me in any particular direction and they were actually really happy to just support me in working out who I was and what I wanted to do and they've always been really supportive of that and I think that is a tremendous freedom to give your child is to be whoever they need to be and to know that they'll be loved and supported no matter what and that if they stuff up well you know and you need to go and live at home for a while because you've got no money well that'll be okay and and that they'll encourage you to push yourself out of your comfort zone because you know they've you know that you've got a safety net you know you know you've got someone who will catch you if you fall and not say well I told you so um I think that's an immense freedom to give anybody Um, I'm really, really grateful for that. What's the one piece of advice that you live your life by? And that can be business or just just in general. Doing the right thing is really important and it's one of the core values here at Adore, but it's also one of my personal core values as well. It's one of those things that, you know, and particularly when people come to work here, they sort of, you know, when we go through and we do the values process and, you know, hear our values and and people kind of go, oh, yeah, well, you know, do the right thing. Well, everybody does the right thing. It's like, no, 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 that's sometimes actually really hard. Um, And that's a decision that you need to make every day because sometimes doing the right thing will mean owning up to a mistake or, you know, putting something on the line where you think, well, this might be the thing that takes this business down, you know, if we if we do this, but it's the right thing to do. It's it's very, very difficult to do it and to do all of it all of the time. And I'm certainly not saying that I'm perfect at it. <laughs> Everybody gets things wrong. Or, you know, there'll be quite often times where I go, oh, you know, was that the right thing? Maybe I could have done that differently. I don't know. But to consistently do it in your day-to-day life and particularly in your work is actually really difficult but important. And to me, that's, I guess, where the, sort of the the outspokenness on feminism and the gender equality stuff, like that's kind of where that comes in, is that if you have 
and the reason I started speaking up about that sort of stuff was because I thought, look, this is a thing that is so important and I know for a lot of other women it'll be too hard to say anything about it because if you've got a job working for somebody else, you know, there can be consequences and, uh, you know, I thought there is less risk for me to be the one that speaks up about this and I fully anticipated that there would be negative consequence. But I thought, well, I think I'm in a position where so long as I don't upset all of my customer base, then what's anybody going to do about it? We'd bought the shares back from Woolworths at that point and, you know, nobody could, who's going to tell me off? So I thought, right, well, then it needs to be me. We've talked about the eight products that have a special memory or meaning for you. Sure. But you can only pick one to take with you (laughs) to Beauty Island. Okay. So of the eight that we've spoken about today... Which one are you going to choose to take with you? Oh, that's mean. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be necessarily practical. It's just okay. about the one that will okay. keep you company on the mm. island. Okay. Mm. This is a real dilemma for you. <laughs> it your, your really is. is very... You're asking me to choose my favourite child. This is awful. No, I'd really I'd have significant problems with that. I mean, I would probably choose... I'd probably choose moisturiser, to be honest, because, you know, who can live without moisturiser? But then I would be really sad and upset that I did not have my silk pillowcase with me. <laughs> Although probably you have other priorities on a desert island, I don't know. But but yes, well, yeah. And then I'd, and then I'd want some lana lips as well. So your final pick is? Mm-hmm. Okay, I picked the moisturiser aspect. I just at nine. Wonderful. And with some sunscreen on top. Can I have sunscreen as well? Yes, I give you sunscreen. Okay, okay. I'm not leaving you to burn on me. Okay, no. good. Thank you. Kate, thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure to talk to you today. Oh, likewise. And learn more about the products that are special and your incredible journey. Thank you. Ah, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beauty Island. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Kate and have been entertained or inspired to start doing that thing that you've been putting off. If you aren't subscribed already, please do so wherever you listen to your podcasts and that way you'll always be the first to hear all the new episodes as soon as they drop. If you'd like to support Beauty Island, you can leave a five-star rating, write a review or recommend to someone you think would also like to listen. As a small independent podcast, all those things really help new beauty lovers find us. I'd love to hear your thoughts or questions about anything we've talked about today. You can find me on Instagram at Beauty Island Podcast, and you'll also find all the details on where you can find Kate, Adore Beauty, and all the products we've talked about today in the show notes of this episode. Just go to more details and you'll see all those links there for your convenience. Thank you, and until next time, bye bye.